Do you love hunting massive monsters and using their corpses to craft rare and fantastical weapons? Yeah. Yeah. I know I do. Do you wish D&D 5th Edition included good details to do just this? That would be awesome. Shame it doesn't. Until now. We're going to delve into a Melwin's Guide to Monster Hunting for 5th Edition Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Matthew. We hope to inspire you with creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Because that's how we fucking roll. Right? So, we got a really good topic today. Uh, As we mentioned, uh, Monster Hunting 5e is a thing. You you guys have played Monster Hunter a bit, right? Yeah. A little bit. It really is an amazing world, and it's done so well for story, for gaming, for combat, for crafting. It has one of, I think, one of the most refined crafting systems in uh, a lot of, uh, compared to a lot of games. I'm sure there might be something better. I can't think of one offhand. But uh, anyway, so if you don't know, in Monster Hunter, the player takes the role of the hunter. A hunter. Dun, da, da, da. And they slay, trap, slay and trap large monsters uh, as they explore the landscape, you know, for quests given them by the locals, right? And part of the core gameplay is re-engineering <laughs> the leftovers from those monsters, allowing you to make some really cool armor and equipment. And that's what we're going to talk about today. First of all, um, before we get too much into the nitty gritty, um, if you're interested in following along and you want to look at the product yourself, head on over to CritAcademy.com slash blog, then click on the 5e Monster Hunter and you can uh, find the link there. Uh, we'll also toss the link in the chat for you. Now, I do want to be upfront about the fact that obviously this is not the first product we've seen do stuff like this. Oh, absolutely. But this, but this one seems to be a lot more comprehensive and puts everything to one place than we've seen others do, and it does go a lot more in-depth into the Monster Hunter setting compared to, well, most other things I think. Seen. Yeah, I mean, it's like 170-plus pages. Yeah. And I also do think there has been a demand for this, because I'm, I recall the last time I went to Dragon Con in 2019, there was a homebrewed Monster Hunter D&D game going, and that thing was filled. Oh, wow. That is awesome. So, um, I know that... Uh, our buddy here, Matt, just mentioned earlier that whoever did this had a very comprehensive understanding of the Monster Hunter lore. Yeah. And it shows from the detail of the races, the factions, uh, the background, the world setting. Even the gods. Yes. I setting. mean, they, they, uh, Amel Wind did a phenomenal job. Obviously, we're not going to talk about all those things today. You can check that out in the product. But I wanted you to know there's so much Monster Hunter goodness in this thing. You got to check it out. And every call, this is free, right? Yes, it is a free product. It is a homebrew, though. There I didn't uh, know that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a homebrew product. So keep in mind that while they did a really good job, you will find occasional you know, hiccups or typos or things like that. I think I found like two in the whole reading I did. So, but that doesn't pull away from the fact that it's so well done. Yeah. 
especially since this is a fan project. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's what I think is some of the best stuff because now you're targeting two audiences and bringing them together in a way that compensates for the other, you know, people love the monster hunter lore. They hate that D and D doesn't have monster hunter lore. <laughs> Although that's what the DMs for. Uh, <laughs> eh, debatable, right? Because, you know, anyways, I don't want to get too much into that. Uh, Monster Hunter uses – would you say that the items that we're crafting here would be – they're not – I don't think he classifies them as magic items. Mm. But I think that they probably should be. Yeah. I think this depends on the interpretation like a lot of things. So. Yeah. So, and um, what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there is going to be a, a little bit of crossover because I don't think they're categorized as magic in Monster Hunter, are they? Yeah. Not in the game, at least. Oh, yeah, so not in the game. But I would think in the five E setting, they are going to be classified as 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 magical items, though I don't know that it actually says that. Yeah. Um. So, first of all, how many times have you guys had the pleasure of hunting a giant, big ass monster? Bing. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. There was the fact that you had to uh hunt down a giant uh T Rex looking thing that can breathe fire. Ooh, like Godzilla? Uh, no. More. Oh, that's personal what I thought of. Part of the fun of slaying monsters is not only the prestige, but the resources that come with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what really makes this book different than some of the other setting books that we've seen. Um, <laughs> in standard D&D games, players are rewarded as they travel through dungeons and find magical equipment. And with this book... You don't find loot just lying around. No. They have to forge it. They have to craft it. They have to kill it. They have to kill it. <laughs> or trap it. Some of the stuff they get is from a, a living creature, right? Some. And so that's what one of the things that the Amelwyn's Guide to Monster Hunting really zeroes in on and focuses because it fills a niche that doesn't exist. And Hannibal kind of uh, goes a little too more in depth with the, rich, with the Witcher, clarifying the – if a, Investigate initial attacks and encounters approach, followed by prepping resources to, to hunt it down. <laughs> yes, that's cool. So there is definitely. I wonder if there's. I bet you we could find a five E conversion of that now. Off to check. Um, I have the actual RPG at home. Too. So <laughs> be, before we get into the, <laughs> before we get Show too much off. into the detail, what do you guys think uh, of the product like this has to include to make it fun and engaging as a player? Because we do know crafting your own magic items means spending time gathering and rebuilding. What do you think? for you as a player, would be needed to make it fun? I think with something like this, you would dive a little bit more in-depth into the exploration aspects than you would probably in your average game. Okay. Yeah. Because um, like doing your research for the creatures and tracking them down, and as Hannibal pointed out, doing the research ahead of time to figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are and prepping them accordingly, and uh, setting up a trap <laughs> if you're lucky. Yes, yeah. information is key with this. What what type of tracks the your target leaves behind? What food it eats? Um, uh, how big it is commonly, or um, does it have friends? Yeah, does it hunt? What is its food source? Or maybe in some cases, what hunts it? <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I was just telling him before the show started that uh, my first experience with Monster Hunter World was. Uh, something uh, killed my target and I was pissed off about it because I had been stalking it forever. But you're right on point. The reason I wanted to talk about this day, aside from the really cool crafting, is that it ties so deeply into the exploration and lore pillars 
more so than typical D&D because at least if you're going to get that Monster Hunter feel, if they're not prepared, they should die, period. That's my thought. Hmm. Or at least have to run away because they failed. I think the challenge should be so hard that if you don't know its weaknesses, you aren't prepared to fight off whatever its abilities are, you should be – I mean this should be the hard – or if not harder, challenge rating for every encounter. Now, I know this is not the main topic we're talking today, but I remember reading, for example, in The Witcher 3, one of the early quests is you have to hunt a farmer's being, uh, livestock is being attacked by a griffin, and the game makes it very clear, depending on your difficult saying, of course, that if you try to, to take on this thing in a straight-up fight, it will murder you. <laughs> <laughs> Run away! <laughs> so, so, and one of the ways the game kind of encourages you to take it down is you, if you do your research... Well, it's taking out the farmer's cows. Mm -hmm. So if you find a cow, kill it, poison it, leave it out as bait. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And that's a lot of some of the, the rules that they add into this, right? And, so much planning. And I think that that's what really separates it, separates it because um, the obtaining of the materials to be able to take on the next challenge is just as critical as prepping for it in advance. So... Uh, we kind of touched on that a little bit, so I don't get too detailed into it. But what I think also uh, makes this interesting is it allows the use of um, information gathering from other expert NPCs. Yeah. Um, not just necessarily uh, fighting stuff, but also from their experience. I love the ideas of this big giant monster that the characters are hunting. There's only one person that's actually fought one, and now he's uh, missing two limbs and he's a drunk all the time, and he fought it at night, so some of the information he has may not be accurate. It's like talking to somebody that witnessed a car accident. How accurate is it going to really be? In the middle of nowhere at night. <clears throat> yeah. Nothing about guild arts from Fairy Tale. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. He gets it. Well, I'm not cool enough, I guess. So how do we obtain the material? So first, once you've done the digging, you've learned where it hunts, you've tracked it. I mean, that's another part of it. This it, this can excel rangers. Rangers will excel in this sort of gameplay yes. because of all the tracking abilities that are required to, to, to monitor stuff. Locate animal spell, I think, is one, right? That uh, Locate creature. Locate creature. Yeah. Um, and so talking with wildlife becomes a powerful resource. Because now you can learn from the local wildlife, oh, yeah, I smelled him back about an hour ago, you know, so he's been through here or whatever. Um, talk with plants, same thing, you know. Ah, it ate my cousin, you know, <laughs> if it's like an herbivore or something. But so now you've got the monster, you've done the research, you're tracking it, you managed to bring it down. Now we have to harvest it. So um, a Melwin's Guide to Hunting Monsters gives you pretty good details on how to carve up the the corpse in a way that you can attempt to gain valuable resources from it and i actually like the fact that it sets a solid dc for you to use as a base when they go off of which is something that 5e has not done yes as simple as that seems yeah mm. it's like it should be written down somewhere but it's not so and i case, think it's really good yep. and for carving it's basically you take 10 and then add half of the monster CR to it, run it down. Yeah. It's like, that makes sense. Right, because the higher it is, just the higher the DC is. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. Obviously, it does require a lot of uh, survival skill set, um, which I think really bleeds well into the, the theme. Mm -hmm. I would like to see, and I didn't see any of it, because once again, this is taking place in the 
in the Monster Hunter world, but if you're to keep it and use the rules in 5e, I think there should some monsters that would require some sort of arcana check mm -hmm. to know what you're looking for. Because for beasts, it makes sense for survival because your you, nature to learn about it, uh, survival to cut in and cut it out. Right. But maybe a monstrous creature, maybe like an elemental uh, an elemental that has a core, right? You have to use arcane magics and knowledge to, to pull it out instead. So there could be a little bit of balance there. I didn't see that. But once again, this is because this book takes place in the Monster Hunter universe. And I can definitely see an argument both ways. Like you said, depending on which creature you're taking down. So. Yeah. Um, or even maybe religion for some creatures too. The one thing that it does really, really well is it has a lot of tables that touch on these different things, uh, which I think is uh, necessary because when you're going through and trying to carve out the uh, the monsters, the loot isn't always going to be the same. No. Which well, I thought was fascinating. Well, for that matter, I've recalled the Monster Hunter game, what loot you get depends on where you hit the creature when you're attacking it. Yep. Because if you want to harvest a particular organ, but you, well, destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be harvesting it now, are you? Uh, I like that. Um, so, oh, uh, Hannibal actually has got a good point here. So when I run Monster Hunts, the players are part of an illegal guild called the Witch Hunters. I love it. And when they send out the hunters on contracts, they send a magic raven familiar to the town. I like that. Using that as a spy could be really cool. And was it KS also points out his DM says you want to hunt monsters to defend against monsters. The example being if you want to face fire dragons, build armor from lava golems. Or uh, kill xenomorphs to defend against acid. <laughs> I'd also like to point out of the lore behind the hunting guild in the world of uh, Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. They don't kill all the monsters. They just do it to a point to balance civilization and nature. Mm-hmm. And actually, that leads into the, the next point. We talked about har uh, hunting, killing, and harvesting. Some of the other rules that it gives is actually capturing, too. Mm -hmm. There's some monsters that are just meant to be captured, and you yep. can utilize them for re uh, renewal resor re renewable resources, right? Like, if you got a monster that spits acid, if you keep it alive, you can constantly get a flow of that acid spit, right? Yep. Which is great for, like, poison and stuff. Like catching snakes to milk them for their venom. Exactly like that. So that's another thing that I thought was really cool. And once again, that's a different challenge. Capturing a monster is a different, and transporting one is a different challenge from just slaying one. Yeah. And I think that the rules here really kind of handle that pretty good. But we're talked a lot about the rules. What are some of the things you can do with this? Well, um, it does use an upgraded and rarity system. Um, so the number of basically uh, material slots where you can put the different uh, uh, corpse loot, I guess, the monster loot into, determines the effects of the item. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're basically customizing a magical item. So yeah. if you want it to do this effect, and I'm just going to throw out a random one there, I want mine to be able to burst into flames like Flame Tongue. Maybe I got to go hunt down a fire dragon and steal its, you know, uh, flame glands or something like that. Um, and so that's something I want. That becomes a goal of the player character now. Okay, where can I find this? I'm not strong enough. I need to go do these other things. I don't want to be barbecued. I have to go hunt a, a, a white dragon first and build armor to resist the fire, you know? And I think that building up to that is part of the fun, to yeah. build your own equipment. And I can definitely think of multiple franchises that incorporate harvesting from monsters does a good job. Like, after we touch, about, touch on Monster Hunter, but recall, for example, in, like, uh, Dota 2, the... Netflix series where the dragon hunters harvest parts from slain dragons 
two gains their quality. It's like one character for example, it's already made from a chaos dragon, mm-hmm. which allows them to teleport randomly. Oh, that's cool. Or or another example too is like a Tokyo Ghoul. I've only seen like two episodes of that. It was oh, a little gosh. too. Yeah. That is gruesome. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> but a lot of ghouls there have like a uh, extra um, organ, if you will, that allows them to. Them, depending on which which ghoul type they are, some extra abilities in combat, and the human organization that hunts them down harvests those parts so they can fight against ghouls. Wow, that's brutal. Yeah, it's a brutal series too. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the other thing that I think is really cool is the way the it's almost like a slot item slot system, right? Yeah. And different rarity items have a different number of slots, whether yeah. it's armor or weapons. Mm-hmm. So kind of to the point you made earlier, you can figure out what kind of character play style you want yeah. and then try to learn and hunt monsters that might be able to enhance that, which I think is interesting. You mentioned the chaos dragon, uh, yep. the teleportation. If I want to build an assassin that can jump regularly, okay, what do I got to do to kill this bastard? Yep. Where can I find him? How do I get to him? What is my next steps? to really follow through with that. Um, and it goes, we we're talking about weapons and armor, but there's definitely more than that. You could expand on it for like trinkets and other things, right? Yep. Um, amulets. Yeah. Amulets. One thing. And then there's jewels, which you can, which is kind of like the, uh, what are those crystals things from final fantasy? Materia. Materia. Final fantasy seven. Um, you can, there are jewels in um, Monster Hunter World that you can incorporate in weapons and armor that have certain effects that can that basically have the same skills as uh, armor, which I believe what we're gonna talk about later on. Yep, yep. Hmm. We're gonna we're gonna delve into some samples here in a second. Yeah. And Katie also touches on like th- that mass right, even in the real world. The fishing game in the U.S. often sends out contracts on wolf populations every year just to help control the population. Yep. And that's actually one of the reasons why they give up deer licenses, too, just to keep the population yeah. under control so they don't over-harvest their local area. And, and people don't run into more more, more of them on the road, too, right? That's yeah. <laughs> they get out of control. There's a spike in insurance claims. <laughs> and Michigan has the second highest deer accidents in the country. Yeah, well, if our hunters could actually hit stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I got four of them that went hunting and with bow hunting, and none of them got nothing. I was like, what are you guys doing out there? I was out there for 30 hours and didn't get nothing. I was like, maybe you're just not a good hunter. <laughs> I went to a bad spot. <laughs> maybe. Um, so the other thing I wanted to touch on that it does really well. Failed a random encounter table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Hey, um, hey during Dragons. Yeah, we are doing well. Uh so uh, it's not just monsters. There's also rules for other material like mushrooms and bones and insects and minerals and all that stuff. The one thing that I really, really <laughs> – Thorgard lives. Jesus. The one thing that I really like is the fact that this is an opportunity as the DM yeah. to include a lot of the artisan tools and uh, other sorts of toolkits that don't get as much use. And, yeah. uh, and even though – that sounds like the guy does include much more rules than the player's handbook does. I still think a lot of people f- still fail to read those rules and implement them in the game. Yeah, we. I'm, <laughs> I'm just guilty of that. Somebody oh, else and too. don't get me started with the backgrounds in this thing. They're amazing. Oh my goodness, yeah. Well, that's outside of the scope of this show, but yes, yeah. there are some amazing content in this book outside of what we're talking about yeah. today. So definitely check it out. Yeah. 
You can uh, find the link on our website. Backgrounds, races, feats, items. As, as the feats. Done. I was drooling over some of the feats. Wizards of the Coast, eat your heart out. <laughs> well, well, go my latest playtest. Be yeah. impressed, Chris Perkins. <laughs> Be very impressed. All right, so once you've gone through all this, you've done the investigation, you've hunted the monster, you slayed the monster, you captured the monster. By the way, once somebody catches a monster, the difficulty should just begin. Yep. How are you going to transport? And then you think that thing's just going to let you? Oh, no, it should always have a chance to get free and make it hard for them to sleep because it's roaring and bellowing. And, and there's so much more you can do with that beyond setting the trap and capturing it. Yeah. Hauling it away should be just as much of a challenge as slaying one. I never more really so. thought of that because the game's because the game yeah. of Monster Hunter does that for us. Yes, yeah. it does. But as a D&D player, I think that should also be part of the challenge. So what are some of these types of effects that we can we can give it based on the material? So there are some huge tables that have different material effects based on the way you craft stuff. Now, it is worth noting that you can have players craft these or you can introduce interesting NPCs that they have to revisit um, and they, that they have to haggle with if that's the part of the game that the players really like. Um, <laughs> some people like that, some people don't, so just keep in mind what is your table interested in, right? Because some people might just prefer, let's just blow by that part and go hunt more monsters. Others might want to haggle and maybe get, hey, you, I only got two of these, well, I'll give you three of these if you give me those two, and we'll swap so I get what I need, you get what you need. And yes, I paid a little more, but I got what I needed. So there's a lot of fun that can be had there if your team likes it. Now... So, as I mentioned, lots of different tables. Uh, I picked a couple off the table, so I don't know if you've got the PDF open on your book, on your thing, and there's a one or two you want to talk about. There's a big list, so I just picked some that really interest sure. me. So, for the common weapon material, uh, one of the uh, bonuses you can get, depending on the specific components, and that's another part. There's specific components and resources you need to get very specific effects. I like to taunt one of the common ones. <laughs> That that's the one we're gonna we're gonna talk right. about. So I realize there's an artillery one that says when you are attuned to this weapon, your wyvern fire can now be used twice per long rest instead of once. That's I think a feat. Was that a feat or a feature of one of the the I races? Don't, I don't remember. I never got to the feats. So yeah. I think weapon fire is tied to a particular item. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. so um so that right there I thought was interesting because you can you can easily evolve that into yeah. other like class mechanics, right? But uh, as Ian said, the taunt is really, really cool. Do you want to tell us about it? Uh, effectively, if a creature attacks somebody else that's not you and you're adjacent to it, you can use a taunt as a reaction to make it attack you instead. And I think that is really cool because there's not anything in that in 5th edition like that right now. Fifth, and I think no. that's good. And Ricardo asks, does this book have weapon types from the Monster Hunter? Game? Of course it does. Absolutely. There's all sorts of weapons. As much time as this person put into the... Into the factions, you bet your ass. There's the 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 cool insect glaive. There's the the one that changes from like a sword to a shield sword or combo or whatever. Yeah. Oh, it's, yes. it's all there. If you're and that's why I said it's there's so much more than what we're talking about in this book. It's 170 pages, man. Uh, so definitely check it out. Um, all so right. the taunt is a really good one. Yep. Uh, the uncommon ones, and as of course as they get rare, they get that much more potent. Yep. But mm -hmm. the rarer the material is so think about this what if you guys hunt a monster and two players want one of the components from it but only one is available oh another one yeah but who gets it in the meantime you think it'll start a little bit of uh inter-party conflict potentially potentially because i think that that's interesting especially if one of the players attacks it in the area and causes that item to not be available 
I think this is where uh, low rolls can be used really, really well in a kind of a called shot form, right? But to say, I can definitely see a called shot being working well with this kind of setting. <laughs> I would agree very, very much. Um, if you haven't checked it out, uh, we did an episode called Go for the Eyes that had a really great uh, called shot mechanic where it 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 took it added benefits but took away it kind of was a give and take depending yeah. on what the players did um like the beholder i think you hit it in the eye and it loses its anti-cone effect but then it just shoots lasers randomly in all directions so it's kind of a trade-off i can't see well pew, 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 pew. so right. something Do them simultaneously right right <laughs> um so one of the uncommon uh, material weapon material components is the carver. And I really like this and many of the other ones that are like this because it grants advantage on the first carve attempt on a creature while you are attuned to this weapon. Mm. I think that that's a really cool way to include a buff that's beneficial to the k- kind of uh, um, play style you're going for, right? So instead of trying to get a buffer weapon, you're just trying to increase your success rate at the things you harvest. So you don't got to harvest the same thing so many times to get what you need. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool approach that the uh, 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 creator had done. Yeah, there was like a, I was playing the new Monster Hunter game known as Rise uh, on the Switch, and there was like this one... A uh, samurai Bushido-looking monster called Magnum Mallow, and there was like a material component for one of the harder ranking formats of uh, equipment that you had to get. But it's one of the top single-digit percentage to to carve it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So the chances of so not only stalking, hunting, and slaying the beast, the chance of getting what you want is so small. Yeah. Oh, that would be so devastating. And if, oh, I've had to fight that thing multiple times, and it is a beast to hunt. <laughs> I bet. And but that's what we're talking about, right? Part of the fun isn't just the slaying the monster to get what you want. You have to slay the monster and attempt to get what you want. Because if you fail, yes, it's gonna suck, but it means now you gotta start the hunt all over again. Mm-hmm. And there may not be another one for a while. Yeah. So you're really shit out of luck. So that encourages the building, uh, building of skills that increase your success rate, because you can't afford to fail, right? And I think that that's a lot of fun. Ian, do you want to tell about tell us about maybe one of these other uh, features that you liked? Oh, we got the home blade from the very rare materials list. You can scroll down a little bit, Alicia. Mm-hmm. Yep. The weapons. Damage die is increased by a size up to a maximum of a D10. So it's D6 because of D8, D8, D10, and so forth. That's amazing. I really like this um, because it's something that can be easily applied to any D&D setting yep. and have a lot of fun with. Mm-hmm. Um, but you gotta be you gotta be careful. I mean, this is very rare, but being able to boost a damage die of a weapon, and let's say like a dagger, a dagger becoming a D six, that's devastating and fun. That's huge. But yeah. there's a lot of fun that's in there, right? Yeah. Um, the other, a couple other, another one I want to talk about that I thought was really cool in the uncommon section was the spirit within. The first time you mine or gather on an expedition, you gain double the amount before the herbs you would normally receive. Nice. My favorite is part breaker. You deal an extra 1d4 damage when you critically hit with this weapon. I, I would think have, that's awesome. I would have made that a d6, but... Make damage. it bigger? <laughs> it's a part breaker. Yeah, but it's also increasing your damage on a crit. Yeah, okay, maybe a little more. Um, 
Now, not all of them are based on just skills and uh, attacks, um, damage attacks. Some of them apply some status effects. And my favorite was the Stamina Thief, which basically once per turn when you hit a creature, you, it must make a DC 10 con save. Now, I know that's not very much, but if they fail, they gain a level of exhaustion. Kept it too. That is still brutal. Yep. That is so brutal. And there's also armor effects too that you can add. Do we want to talk about a couple of those too? We'll pair a type for one. Okay. And one being adrenaline. The first time you drop a creature below half of the, your their hit point maximum, you gain a rush of adrenaline. On your next turn, movement speed doubles and you can take one extra action. I think that that's really cool. I like oh, anything first that... First time you drop, not that, yeah. I think that anything that increases utility are some of my favorite abilities because you can literally build a badass with a variety of utility skill sets mm -hmm. and not pick any of the offensive mechanics, mm. oh, yeah. which means that those things are really well designed. Mm. And I do feel this is something that 5e does fall short in because I play plenty of RPGs like Starfinder, for example, being a good example where you can basically purchase various types of armors, which gives you various bonuses, but you can also slot in tech to enhance your armor too. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like a jetpack. <laughs> Do you have it? <laughs> uh, I do want to touch on one. I know Ian said only one more, but I cannot uh, deny I love this the way this is designed called Chain Crit. Um, so every consecutive hit on a creature increases your range on your crit range by one until you score a critical hit, miss on an attack, or hit a different creature. Nice. That is so cool. Guess which D&D uh, class benefits from that? Fighter? I would say fighter. Monks. Monk too, yes. Monks with Flurry of Blows. Flurry of Blows, that's a really good one. I definitely see both of those anytime you get to attack a lot. Uh, a Reckless Barbarian attacking recklessly, right? Yeah. The odds they're going to miss is going to go way down, so they're just going to be crit machines. Bonk. I'm going to build a crit fisher, man. I love Frenzy it. Frenzy Barbarians because they get to make an extra attack as a bonus action. Yes, I love Frenzy Barbarian. I'm actually playing one in Initiative and Intrigue right now, so... Um, you can find those bi-weekly on Alex Baum's Twitch channel. All right. Overall, this book has a lot of content. It gives you lots of fun rules. It introduces a myriad of awesome different weapon types, <laughs> specifically the cool, unique Monster Hunter ones. Uh, everything is clearly oversized, which is always fun. <laughs> um, and they give us fun monsters. They give us new races. But they give us something we don't have, and that is a well-defined rule set for enhancing the exploration and the uh, the um, lore pillars of D&D. If it sounds like I talk about those a lot, it's because I think that those are extremely – I think they're ignored too much. And I think some of our third-party brethren are kind of noticing that and are going after that. And I think uh, Amelwin did a really good job with this product. Mm -hmm. What are some of your guys' final thoughts before we uh, close out today? Short version, like any good supplement, it gives both the DM and the players more options. And that's always a plus in my mind. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm with Ian on this one. There's so much potential with um, uh, third-party content creation such as this. There's You get to... Uh, play both a D&D setting and a game that many people are familiar with mm -hmm. and you just mesh the two categories into one. It's yeah. amazing. I think they even give you rules for having the little minion person that comes with you, I think. <laughs> so I thought amazing. that was pretty cool. 
So, uh, before we close out, I would want to let you all know that our Fall Into Dungeon Mastering Bundle is available. It includes five must-have Crit Academy products, plus a three-month membership to Obsidian Portal Campaign Manager. <laughs> a total of $40 value for $20. Available for a limited time, so go and get it right now. I promise you won't regret it. If you haven't used Obsidian Portal... It's a very powerful campaign manager. They kind of like its own little wiki for your campaigns. You can connect things and link them together, and it's actually really, really cool. So for forty bucks. Yeah. All those contents worth forty-eight. You get it for just twenty dollars. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're working on the deals. We're throwing. We're making it rain on you guys. Save that cash. Um, but it's for a limited time. All right. With that, if you enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, head on over to CritAcademy.com. Uh, follow us on social media. Leave us a review. Please, if you're watching on Twitch, consider watching right on YouTube for us. YouTube actually, you know, we're monetized there um, and it drives the algorithm. If not, still uh, subscribe and all that jazz. And uh, thank you for watching. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Matthew. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Wizard Katia says Brandon got prettier and lost weight. <laughs> that, that's just insulted from Brandon. <laughs> that's great. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.